What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Stand Up Guys podcast, episode 143. I am your host, incomparable Zach Jones, joined as always by, uh, let's see who we got this week. It's the ninth wonder, Chocolate Thunder. He's looking for a mate to punch that prostate, the teeth gritting, keeping that shiznit in, hankering and begging for a spankering and pegging, the phenomenal AJ Singh. Prostate punching, huh? <laughs> I wonder what that would be like. <laughs> well, let's say like your your biggest like celebrity crush was like, okay, I'm willing to be with you, but one day a month we're bringing out the strap on. <laughs> <laughs> we're going uh, to town. I'd have to. Uh, I I'd try to maneuver around that one day. I'd try to push it to the end of the month and try to get <laughs> to get her to know me. And then she by then like maybe we should drop it. I don't know. <laughs> She'll just go easy. On you. <laughs> um. Well, you weren't on last week's show when we reviewed Guardians, so I'm curious. Spoiler free, of course. Uh, what were your feelings of Guardians of the Galaxy? I really through? liked it. I think it lived up to the first two movies. And uh, it it lived up to the Guardians name, which is I think uh, a the good franchise in the whole Marvel studios, like what they what they've released so far. Yeah, uh, actually, I think you might be right. Like as far as like all the individual like franchises within the MCU go, I think it's one of the most consistent quality yeah. wise. I think it might be the tops. I mean, it's so weird because like I'd never know, I'd never heard of these characters before the movie. I know. Like uh, I, at the time, I was like, "Why is Marvel making this?" You know, like, <laughs> right? Uh, do they really need to like? They they had been doing okay up until then, and I was like, you know, this is this sounds like it's going to be trash. Yeah, like this might be a step too far. <laughs> yeah, and then they just come out of the gates with like one of the best MCU yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah, so I definitely uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, I'm I'm it sucks that there's no more Gal- Guardians movies, man. I mean, I suspect. I mean, I don't want to spoil the movie for anyone who doesn't see it, but the way it ends, I I suspect we'll at least still get like a lot of those characters. Yeah, still. Yeah, but I mean, you know, no more James Gunn right. with hands on the project. Right, you know? it's it's going to have a different yeah. feel to it for sure. Yeah, I heard that um, in uh, Infinity War, they actually some of that stuff. James Gunn had no clue of what they were going to do in Infinity War. So like uh, when Gamora died, um, and when Star Lord like had that interaction with Thanos and everything, like that kind of threw him off. Like he wasn't expecting like there to be like some other storylines that were like birthed from that movie so like it kind of took him off of like what he was trying to do with Gamora he wasn't trying to like reset her and make her a new character he was trying to like you know keep her in the series as is and like try to build some sort of fruitful relationship i suppose maybe between them yeah i saw a headline about that i didn't read it but yeah it was something to that effect it like you you would think i mean they would coordinate those things a little more but right it's got to be it's got to be tough to do just cuz you got so many projects, so many different writers right. and like you don't necessarily want to step on one writer's idea if you have a way you can maybe write around it, you know. Right. So yeah, I imagine it's very tricky juggling something as big as the MCU. Yeah, I mean Gamora like the way that movie was written, like she kind of had to go though, you know. There was no way around it. Like Oh, the Avengers movie. Yeah, and I mean it was it was well done, I thought, you know. Like, That's the thing that I think I can forgive it because like that moment in Avengers like is really strong yeah. and it works. Yeah. It totally works. Yeah, that that was a yeah, a very powerful moment. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, going forward, they they could potentially like, you know, make them a couple again. 
but like I don't know it, it almost would seem like maybe they should maybe still like we already know that like dying in the MCU isn't necessarily forever but right. like at least they can have stakes of like oh like those two's love kind of had to die you know right right yeah I mean it did seem like they had forged different paths at the end of the movie like, yeah she was like really chummy with the ravagers it seemed like she had built a new family with them that's true it did seem that way yeah yeah um well you you watched anything else besides it over the last couple of weeks not really no <laughs> no not even more uh youtube reviews <laughs> i mean i always watch those <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, actually watched a YouTube review of a Fresh Prince recently. <laughs> the old Fresh Prince or the new one? The old one. The old one. The new one sucks. <laughs> I heard. I don't know. It's like dramatic and so yeah, I li- like. Yeah, I like. I didn't. I mean, to be fair, I haven't watched it, but I don't know. Just the premise. I was like, okay, you're gonna take this really funny show yeah. and make something like dour out of it. Right. Mm, it didn't sound good. But uh, this guy Prim, the Prim's Hood Cinema, he like points out all the flaws with these like '90s shows and stuff, and like how careless and blasé they were when writing the stuff. <laughs> he's like, he's like, this guy has a uh, Carlton has a girl or Will has a girlfriend named uh, Cindy in this episode. Carlton had a girlfriend named Cindy two episodes ago, <laughs> oh, really? and like she was pregnant and this and that. And, like he was just pointing out all the like silly stuff that goes on in these episodes. It's just like you don't even think about it, but you're like, yeah, every week they come up with some crazy stuff i know because like when you're watching it at the time you don't really think about like what happened like two episodes yeah. ago you know you're not going to remember like a little detail like that yeah but i mean like if you think about it like what is going on in bel-air <laughs> <laughs> they're giving out free drugs they're doing this they're doing this is nuts <laughs> i did used to love that show like i, I kind of i thought about revisiting it one day but i didn't because i'm but sometimes you don't even want to revisit like an old show because you're like man i want to in my head feel like yeah. it's good yeah so like I'm always like paranoid at revisiting certain things. I get that. I, I mean, I revisited uh, X Files, and it was it was better the first time. The second time was all right, and I don't know. Every time I watch it now, it's like it's kind of like kind of lost some of its uh, <laughs> some um, of the luster. Yeah, I think um, you know Vince Gilligan, the guy that <clears throat> created uh, Breaking Bad. I think he used to be a writer on X Files. Oh, okay, I can believe that. I can see that. I don't know if the whole thing or just certain seasons or whatnot. Because that show, it went like a long time, didn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. It went forever. Yeah. Maybe eight eight really like long full seasons. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing is like television back then. It was like, you know, Every each week. season was like, you know, 24 episodes yeah. or something. You know, oh, That's a lot of television. Yeah, exactly. Man, like some like really, really old shows, <clears throat> like black and white shows, like they literally had like, you know... I don't know. I don't know if they went, you know, a full fifty-two weeks, but like close to it, you yeah. know, like trying to pump out a new episode every week. So some of them have seasons that are just like insanely long. You know, I don't know how they did it, man. Like I saw that documentary or whatever about how South Park pushes out an episode once a week, and that I mean, just with modern technology, it takes a lot to do that. I know it's a cartoon and all, but I mean, still, like just to put out, push out any kind of show in one week is hard as hell to do. I know. I like. I imagine, like, I don't know if, like, all shows did this, but I assume some of it. I remember I was watching a thing about, um, you know, the old um, Adam West Batman show. And they would sometimes do, I think, what they call block shooting, where they're like, okay, we're shooting, like, in the Batcave right now. So we'll basically every script we have written that has a 
uh, a scene in the Batcave. We're going to shoot those like uh, today, you know, rather than doing like one episode and then like starting over. Yeah. Like they're just good. And I'm like, from an acting standpoint, that would be so hard to uh, like keep track of and like, okay, wh- this is a whole different episode now. Like, what are we doing in this scene? It's like a whole different scenario. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even imagine like trying to. Yeah, you know, keep that together. I, that's that's a good point. Like with movies too, like they shoot them out of order. Yeah. So like the actor really has to know like his characters, not only their arc, but like in what scene is that is that part of the arc going to be in? Like, right. Are they recording? So like the last day they might record the first day they might record the ending of the movie, and the last day they might record the beginning of the movie. And like you have to keep track as an actor of like where your character should be within this whole arc. You know, that's so hard to do. I think I know. And like, imagine if you had to like start off with like the most emotional scene of the movie, yeah. and you just got to go to like zero to a thousand yeah. like that. You know, yeah, man, it's it's amazing. Like acting, like it's got to be tough, man. Yeah, I used to, to think be good when I was it. younger, I thought acting was just you know just do whatever you do, like just remembering lines. Yeah. yeah, but no, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Have you watched Scream Six yet? Not yet. I've seen like a little bit of the reviews for it, but I haven't watched the movie yet. It's got a uh, that Jenna Ortega in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, same girl from uh, Scream Five. Those sisters or whatever. Right. It seems like they're kind of building the franchise around them now. Okay. But yeah, I decided to watch that because it was on Paramount Plus, and uh, I don't think I liked it as much as Five. Okay. But like, you know, it's 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 fine. It's it's another one of those things to where you're like. This universe is crazy. <laughs> also, like, I won't spoil, but there's one character that I'm like, I'm not really fond of this character. And at one point, they get stabbed like a million times, and you're, I'm like, okay, yes. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, they're like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, what? Oh. I'm like, what? <laughs> that was ridiculous. Um, so yeah, definitely people surviving things they could, but like. But yeah, I mean, it's a little ridiculous, but it was fun enough. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know, I think I was just in the the mood for watching like something that was like the opposite of horror, just like something like pleasant. And so, have you ever watched, there's a famous foreign film that I had only seen once before. Uh, it's a French film called Amelie. Oh yeah, I've seen it a couple times. That's a good movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's just like, uh, I don't know, there's just something like pleasant about it. You know, it's not yeah. like cynical. It's like a sweet movie yeah it's just it is exactly that pleasant yeah it's just like a feel-good movie that you're like okay maybe the world's not completely terrible exactly (laughs) you know if you ever want that feeling i I recommend it's a charming movie very charming and in that vein um this was just kind of by coincidence but like i i didn't have like anything i was really watching so i was just like um you know going around netflix I came across this uh, show that I'd seen the thumbnail for a, a couple times, and then I saw someone on Twitter like recommend it, and it's this Korean show called Extraordinary Attorney Woo. Have you heard of this? No. So this is about like this um, uh, woman that has autism, okay. but she's also a lawyer. All right. And much like Amelie, man, it's just like a, a very like non-cynical like. Just like very charming show. Oh, okay. Um, I ended up really liking it, um, and it's—I don't know. There's something about like Korean like cinema, and well, really just like Asian cinema in general and, and TV shows, where they got like a very quirky sense of humor. Yeah, and that's definitely in this show. And like, I legitimately laughed several times. But like, whoever the main actress is, like, she's great. Okay. Like, in like. Uh, 
you know, portraying a person with autism. Mm -hmm. Like, you buy it, but she's also, like, just very charming. Okay. And I ended up, yeah, I, I really liked it. I don't know if they're going to do a second season or not, but if they do, I'm all for it. What, uh, what is this on? It's on Netflix. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. I've never seen it on there. Yeah, it's um, yeah, South Korean show. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed it. Man, I do wonder, like, if this writer's strike is going to mess up some TV shows. Because... From what I understand, like they're expecting this not to be a short strike. They're, like they're right. thinking it's going to go on a while. And I just remember when that last one went off. Like there were some shows that really, you know, basically ended because of it. Yeah. And so I'm like, uh oh, what's going to hit the chopping block this time? I mean, for me, it's not that bad because like I don't watch that much TV anymore. Like you know, like cable TV or anything. Most of the content I watch is on like YouTube and stuff. But. I mean, a lot of the content I watch is reviews of TV shows, so I think that'll take a hit. And They'll just have to dig deep and do, like, the fresh prints <laughs> and all, like, the old stuff. I mean, there's a show called, uh, there's a show with, like, uh, seniors, like, old women and, like, their sons, and they're all dating each other, like, on this show. Like, this woman goes on there with her son, and her son dates, like, another older lady, and she dates one of the other older lady's sons. It's a weird show, but I've I've been watching reviews of that. <laughs> Wait, so, so it's like a like a like Cougar and Sons or yeah, something, something like that. Oh, that's so weird. It's so bad. So do they go on like double dates? Uh, well, they do try to make it as awkward as possible. I don't know about double dates, but they they do like sh the mother and son will share a room, and so when they want to invite somebody to their room, they have to invite that person to those their shared room. So. <laughs> uh, God, who who invented this? Is this an American show? Yeah, it's it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> what is this like? Air on? It uh, it's it's got to be like like so, a VH1. Type I was gonna say it thing. sounds like one of those like TLC yeah, Discovery TLC, type, yeah. real trashy like uh, uh, reality shows. But even like the premise is so weird. Yeah, it's bad. Everybody, everybody, nobody has anything good to say about this show. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, it's just so weird because, like, like if you had a mom that was like trying to get like a young guy, like you would not want to witness that. No. And I would think vice versa. If you're like into older chicks, like you, like, oh yeah, come along, mom, like watch me date this old bra. Yeah. <laughs> it just the whole premise seems weird. Yeah, they seem pretty messed up mentally. <laughs> like the mothers who are okay with this. The sons, I feel like they just kind of go along with it. They don't know any better. <laughs> They're too stupid. They just listen to their moms. But the moms really should know better. They they seem like they're off the rocker a little bit. <laughs> do you remember what what is the name of this show? It seemed. Do you remember? I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> Jesus, Lou. Yeah. Reality TV, man, it's 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 gone off the rails. Oh, uh, do you hear like uh, this is a couple weeks ago? But the, uh, Jerry Springer died. Oh right, yeah. Man, I remember like <laughs> his show was so ridiculous. But like much like uh, wrestling, like when I was a kid, like I didn't know it was like a work. Like I didn't know they were like hiring people to like act out these scenarios. Uh -huh. So I was like so engaged with it when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> I mean, for me, like, I think it was, I was like a teenager when I, when I knew that it was like fake and stuff, but it was still in its like heyday at the time. Right. So like, you know, people were still like hyping it up and remember it was like the, it was like 
center stage of American like yeah, culture. At one it was point. like a huge show. Yeah, that and Maury, but even Springer was bigger than Maury. I remember there were like episodes of MTV Spring Break that they had like people on like they would have Jerry Springer like do his whole episode like <laughs> at Spring Break and right. stuff. <sighs> That's nuts, man. The guy was just... I mean, he was fun. Before he got into uh, the Jerry Springer show, he was a politician then, too, right? Like, he was like a... Yeah, I think he was like a mayor of Cincinnati or something. Right, 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 yeah. And then he left, got into the Springer show, did all that crazy stuff that you would think would never lead to a career in politics <laughs> after that. But he went back to it, right? I, th- I want to say he did, like, try to run again... I don't know if he won, but I, I want to say he did run for some sort of political office yeah. again. I think maybe in like the very early days of Jerry Springer, it was maybe like more of a legitimate show. Yeah. But then somewhere along the way, <laughs> he was like, oh, if we have people act these out, it can just get crazy. Yeah. yeah, they just went for like the craziest thing that they could do. Like <laughs> Most of it was like, I'm cheating on you, and then the person you're cheating with turns out to be cheating on that person or a transvestite or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And then Maury, he was famous for, like, the pregnancy ones, right? Like, you know, he's not the father. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was his gimmick. Man, that reminds me of when I was in college. Like, me and my college roommate, for whatever reason, we'd watch Maury a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Maury was big when I was young too. He was, I think, I think Springer like kicked the door open and then Maury walked in like afterwards. <laughs> the thing about Maury though is like once like he found out the you know the paternity test thing was a hit. Like he did, he really like didn't do anything else. It was yeah. just paternity tests all the time. He mm. used to at least mix it in where he'd have like the um, um, <laughs> like trans ones where like can you guess if this is a man or a woman right, type right, of things. Yeah. <laughs> That was a lot of, like, the only trans exposure that anybody ever got was, like, Maury. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, at least he let us know that they existed, I guess. <laughs> Man, there's um, a wrestling podcast I listen to. And um, one of the guys said, like, at one point, like, um, Jerry Springer show actually wanted to do, like, an angle that would involve like some of the guys that were like wrestling on the show, some of the wrestlers, and eventually it just it never happened. But apparently they were talking like um, the Jerry Springer show. I guess they used a lot of like independent wrestlers and stuff. Like he said, like um, he recognized like a bunch uh, of people back in the day that were on that from like the indie wrestling scene, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is funny. That's hilarious because like they are trying to you know hone their acting chops, and like that's a great place to like get your. Right, your resume. Well, and, like some yeah. of them would like get you know slightly physical with each other, and then they'd like break it up with okay. security. Remember, yeah, Steve Wilco, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. He eventually got his own show. It's still going. Oh, is it? I think so. But, but his was like like stone cold, like depressing. Uh-huh. It was like you know guys that were like I don't know like molesting their kids and stuff. Oh. Like it was like really or like guys that were like beating their wives and stuff. It was like like I saw a couple I don't know if it's still that way, mm. but I saw a couple of them and it was like really depressing stuff. I'm like, "Whoa, he went a different way with yeah. this." He went like the series route. He 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 was not feeling Jerry Springer on his uh, <laughs> approach, I guess. I remember he had this gimmick he would always do where like if a guy was a real like piece of crap, he'd like kick his chair away and he'd be like you don't get you don't have the right to sit <laughs> that's so stupid <laughs> that's funny though 
I, I didn't know he was, like, still doing his thing. I'm like, because, like, I feel like the 90s and, like, the early aughts, like, those shows were very prevalent. And then maybe it's just because I stopped watching cable that I, yeah. I thought they disappeared, but maybe they are still around. Well, I didn't know he was still going, too, but I, I watched, like, a podcast recently, and they mentioned that his show was still on the air, and I was like, wow, this guy's still going? Like, Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. watching that? Yeah. I remember uh, Ricky Lake back in the day, too. Dude, you're talking about old TV shows. I just uh, started watching Pluto TV, and they have the old, like they have old I Love Lucy episodes on there. We watched like I Love Lucy marathon last night. Oh, really? All night, yeah. Like it, we're just loving it, man. We grew up to that show. That is one show. Like I'm sure, like they showed reruns and stuff at Nick at Night or oh, whatever. Oh, for sure. But I, I just never watched it. Maybe it's because also my, I, I think my mom like didn't like it or whatever. Oh. So I, I never really knew I Love Lucy. That's wild to me because it was on the air so much. Yeah, I, I think it did play a lot when yeah. I was a kid. I just we never watched it. Man, I mean, it was I unavoidable. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a fun show. Like even my nephew, like Liam, he likes to watch it too. Like he thinks it's funny, and like it's just such a silly slapstick. You know, anybody can watch it. Kind of, you don't need to know English to get Lucy's humor. She's just so express like expressive <laughs> right. with her face and stuff. So yeah enjoying that it was fun is like when you're a kid like you have no frame of reference for when like a show you're watching was created right because like when i was a kid you know i'm watching things like looney tunes i had no idea they were made in like you know like the 50s and 60s yeah. or whatever i'm watching gilligan's island not knowing that it's you know was in the 70s or whatever yeah you know? i watched or maybe a lot 60s. of i watched a lot of gilligan's island yeah. by myself yeah brady bunch same thing right right and it's you're like <laughs> I remember as a kid being like, well, this is a new episode. <laughs> it's like, this hasn't been new in like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel bad for those people who've been watching it like new and over and over again in that meantime. Like, we, I watched it like for the first time in the 80s, but then if it aired in the 50s, that means somebody's been watching it for 30 years. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, that means TV was so scant with like programming that you had to watch the same shows forever over and over again. That's terrible. Terrible. I mean, now we're in the golden age, and even now I feel like oh, I'm out of stuff to watch sometimes. <laughs> you know what I do kind of miss though is like the uh, you know '60s TV, like the the theme song that, that explains the whole premise of the show. <laughs> <laughs> They're buddies. <laughs> They're walking. That's kind of like the Marlin. That's like the Wayne's brother intro. <laughs> but yeah, like I know what you're talking about, where they do the whole entire. Yeah, I I do kind of miss that. That that does kind of like lay out. Okay, what am I in for? Right. <laughs> so Charles, he's in charge of these people. I've met of together. our days and our nights. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man, should we get into story time? Let's do it. All right, everyone. So anyone who hasn't watched or listened, we're gonna go around the table, and we'll uh, find some hopefully entertaining stories from around the globe. And AJ, as tradition dictates, we usually start with you. So what do you got for us? Father who adopted child that turned out to be 22-year-old feared she would stab him after finding out ni finding knives under her bed. I actually had this story, too. It's wild, isn't it? I haven't read this one. Oh, go ahead. The family who adopted a young woman uh, they thought was a child said they feared uh, she wanted to stab them. 
When Christine and Michael Barnett adopted Natalia Grace back in 2010, they believed she was a young girl who had a rare bone condition. Uh, however, it eventually turned out that the six-year-old Ukrainian orphan was in fact a 22-year-old woman. And while the couple thought they were go- growing their family, it turned into a nightmare, they say, left they say left them fearing for their lives. In an upcoming documentary about their ordeal titled Curious Case of Natalia Grace, uh, Michael opens up about the trauma they endured. We were all abused, he says in the trailer. I hate this. She tried to poison and kill my family. And one night, I opened my eyes and Natalia is standing at the foot of the bed with a knife in her hand. Michael had previously spoken about finding knives in the house, which he believed Natalia planned on using against him and his wife. Michael says he woke to see Natalia standing over him with a knife. Uh, she would put, uh, speaking on this morning, he said she would put them put thumbtacks uh, face up on our stairs so when we walk up and down stairs we'd be stepping on thumbtacks what is this Looney Tunes (laughs) (laughs) certain things would start to become missing in the home we'd find knives under the bed Uh, there was a moment when I woke up to the in the middle of the night and Natalia was standing over my bed with a knife in her hand a very blank look on her face and she's just standing there with a knife however while these harrowing accounts have been have made headlines over the world speaking back in 2010 Natalia denied that any of it was true when asked if she ever went into her, their bedroom with a knife, she told Dr. Phil, no, never. Natalia denies that she did anything wrong or wanted to harm them. Pressed on whether she wanted to stab them or had planned to do harm, Natalia again denied it, saying, no, if I, were, if I ever went in their room, it was to wake them up because I was either scared or a nightmare or something like that. But I never went in their room. I didn't. Natalia claimed that she felt loved by the family and thought she had found the right mom and dad. I actually thought I had found the right family after bouncing around from a lot of families. I thought I had found the right family for me, she said. Just kind of ends there. I don't know why, but do you have that story too? Uh, yeah. I I want to say the only other thing like I saw in the article I had was like the family eventually like just hightailed it to Canada and like left her in the house. (laughs) And then they were like, um, prosecuted for like abandonment. Uh But then eventually like they got the judge or whatever to find out or to, to legally like change the girl's age to what it was and that that she was an adult or whatever. So they like ended up dropping those charges. But this sounds like the premise of a very weird horror film. Like the question I have is like, did the orphanage that took this woman in, were they also in the dark that she was pretending to be, uh, that, you know, that she was an adult pretending to be a child? That's a good question. I, I mean... She, it is crazy, though, when you see the photo of her, because it does look like... like a kid. Yeah, that one, um, you know, photo of the parents with her when she was young or whatever. Yeah. And she does. She looks like a little kid, but, like, she's, you know, an adult, and I'm just like... And she also, like, it sounds like maybe she went... Was in more than one family as well. Yeah, I think she was in like another family before this. So you have to wonder, like, did that family ever suspect? <laughs> I mean, she's clearly not playing the part. If both families gave her back, or like, you know, felt, felt suspicious about it. But also, just the combination, the weird combination that she did this, but also like, you know, she seemingly like is a psycho that like poisoned the wife or whatever. Yeah, and like at least thought about like killing them. It looks like. Yeah. Very bizarre story. Uh, look, you should adopt if you can, you know, if you got love to give. But, man, be careful. There's some grown-ass people out there. 
Got to be careful with those Ukrainian or <laughs> little grown-up Ukrainian kids. Can you imagine that? You adopt a girl you think is like six years old or whatever, and then you find out she's like 20. Yeah. It's like, what? Uh, you can work now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that story, and it's so bizarre. Yeah. Maybe it would be worth actually watching that documentary, because that is something. Yeah, that's nuts, man. Like. She went along with it. That's wild to me. <laughs> but what's she going to do? I don't know. How's she going to live life looking like a six-year-old? <laughs> that's, well, that's the other thing. Like, you know, you wonder, like, what was her ploy in this? Did, did she just want, like, a free meal, you know, free housing? Yeah, I guess. Like, what was her, like, overall goal, you know? This reminds me of another girl who has, like, the same con- or a similar condition where she looks young. She looks like she's, like, eight or something, and she's, like, 24. And uh, she's looking for a boyfriend, and she wants to get married and have that life. But, like, you know, it's hard because she looks like a kid, so... Oh, yeah. Now that you mention that, I think I saw maybe an article about, like, a guy that was talking about, like, dating her or something. Yeah, yeah. That would be really weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, what can you do? What can you... Like, you... She she needs a partner, but at the same time, it's like the only partner you think she's going to end up finding is somebody who's into pedophilia. <laughs> and even if he wasn't, like, can you imagine, like, ever, like, you know, anytime you go out, people are just going to assume, oh, that's a guy with his daughter. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You can't really be affectionate in public. You can't do anything like that. It's It's a... It's a terrible situation that she's stuck in. Yeah, if people saw them being affectionate, they'd be like, oh, 911, call the cops. Yeah, get away from that man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, there'd be no explaining it. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that conditions like that even exist. (sighs) I I remember when when I was a kid, I watched this uh, show where they had, like, these kids. They were all, like, maybe 13 14 the oldest and they had this condition where they aged really fast like really rapidly so they they might be like 13 14 but they look like 96 or something oh yeah i remember seeing one of those kids on a show once yeah it was like um well you know benjamin button the whole thing was like aged in reverse yeah. or whatever but it, it was almost like that because it was a little kid that yeah that yeah. looked like they were 90 <laughs> exactly so yeah so wild what a terrible terrible disease to be yeah born with jeez can you imagine hmm. um why well, uh staying in the same lane i have a, another kind of like uh crime story but this one actually does involve murder Man. Uh, <laughs> mom wrote kids book after her husband died now she's charged with his murder a family of five from utah faced an unspeakable tragedy last year eric richens a husband and father of three of three died suddenly. The cause of death was a mystery at the time, yet it devastated the life of Corey Richens and her three children. To cope with the pain, they turned to literature. With the help of her kids, Richens wrote a children's book titled, titled Are You With Me? to help other kids deal with loss. Um, what a heartwarming story. Or it was until Richens got charged with murdering her husband. She has now been arrested and is facing charges of poisoning her husband with a deadly dose of fentanyl. See, this is why we can't have nice things. Uh, The Richens family's uh, supposed tragedy uh, happened in March of 2022. That night, Mrs. Richens made her husband a Moscow mule to celebrate a success at his workplace. After handing the mixed vodka drink to him, she went to one of her son's rooms. The child reportedly suffers from night terrors, and Mrs. Richens fell asleep next to him. 
Uh, when she woke up, she uh, discovered to her horror that her husband was unconscious. When she went to him, uh, he was cold to the touch. At the time, it seemed the entire family had been shaken by their loss. <clears throat> to try and help her children understand what had happened, Mrs. Richen said uh, she started looking for a suitable children's book. Uh, unfortunately, she couldn't find any, so she decided to write her own, despite having no literary background. Uh, I'm not a previous author. I am not a child psychologist. I'm not a counselor, right? Richens told KPCW <clears throat> in April of 2023. Uh, I am a mom of three kids, and I can only write uh, about what I know and what we're going through. To make the book as authentic as possible, Mrs. Richens asked her children to help to the extent they could. Her kids told what they were feeling to fuel Richens' writing process. It's been a long, long year and a difficult year. Writing this book has brought a little peace to me uh, and to me and my boys. Uh, the book, Are You With Me?, was published in March of this year, a year after Eric's death. Another book called Mom, How Far Away Is Heaven? was slated for publication in May. Unfortunately, new details have shown what this, uh, that the story Miss Richens had spun isn't exactly correct. In fact, if the allegations are true, it's downright fraudulent. Remember how I said Eric's cause of death was initially a mystery? It didn't stay that way. A medical examiner later discovered that he had died from a fentanyl overdose. Uh, but he wasn't known for drug use. Where did the stuff come from? Try his wife. According to the charges, Mrs. Richens had contacted an unnamed person between December 2021 and February 2022 to acquire a strong, a strong pain medication, supposedly uh, for an investor with a back injury. She received hydrocodone, uh, but she wasn't happy with the purchase. She allegedly contacted the person again, asking, uh, saying she wanted some of the Michael Jackson stuff <laughs> and specifically asked for fentanyl. Uh, that's what she got. And only three days later, after a Valentine's Day dinner, Eric got sick. Eric believed that he had been poisoned, told a friend that he thought his wife was trying to poison him. Uh, the court documents state, according to the BBC. See, that detail there, you would think if he actually believed that, like, he would not be taking a yeah. drink from that she made him, you know, just a little a couple months later or yeah. whatever. A month later, maybe. Uh, curiously, nothing more seemed to happen. Two weeks later, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Richens... Bought more fentanyl, the court file state. On March 4th, Eric died. According to the court filing, the Moscow meal he had on the night of his death included more than vodka, ginger, beer, and lime. The secret ingredient was fentanyl, and it was served uh, to Eric by his wife, according to the documents. Mrs. Richens was arrested on May 8th and charged with Eric's murder. In addition, she's facing charges of possessing GHB, an illegal narcolepsy drug that's often used as a date rape drug. A detention hearing for Corey Richards is scheduled for May 19th, and to think uh, that her book, published just two months ago, is dedicated to my amazing husband and a wonderful father. Mm. I mean, the thing of it is, I kind of wonder, like, if she had never wrote the book and got that round of publicity, like, would they have still, like, discovered the fentanyl poisoning? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know, like, you know, why... It seemed like the medical examiner would have done it initial initially yeah. you know instead of like this far after so like i don't know if there was something in her interview or something that made them take a second look or i don't know what exactly caused the the second look but i mean just like the sheer audacity to like yeah write a book write about. a book and also like make your kids go through the trauma of like helping her write it and stuff i mean she seems like a real psycho yeah she is she killed the the father of their kids man. yeah uh, the, 
man, this makes the world scary, dude. This guy was married to this woman. Like, <laughs> he'd known her for years. And he even then, he learned to not trust her because she changed on him. Like, he was like, I think she's trying to poison me. Right. Like, <sighs> I don't know, man. P- people are just crazy, man. I, this world is full of these kinds of people. <laughs> but also, you know, if I was, like, the guy that he told that to, like, I think my wife tried to poison me. And then he dies, like, you know, oh. a couple weeks later. I'd be like, hey, police, um, this guy told me, like, she was trying to poison him a couple weeks ago. Maybe, I, maybe look into that. I would have thought that's what, like, maybe he brought that up later or something. Like, that must have been what broke it open. Cause oh, like, maybe that guy sat on that information for some reason? Maybe, like, maybe he didn't, maybe he thought, like, oh, they must have figured out why he did it or, or what happened exactly. Maybe he didn't know that was it. But then, like, right later realizing, like... Oh, there was no cause of death, just natural causes. He did tell me this. Maybe yeah. Was, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't go into detail of like what brought him back around to it, but man, crazy story. Yeah. It's just that, I mean, there's so many people who get away with it. This woman almost got away with it. <laughs> That's true. You know, I do wonder about that with like poisoning specifically, like how many people, because yeah. you know people have gotten away with it. Oh, for, for sure. For sure, yeah. Like there's, I've heard of cases like where somebody's done that like three or four times to different people. Like they'll be like they'll they had an ex husband that they murdered. They had an ex you know boyfriend. Uh, a long time ago, somebody died that they knew. Like there's like a trail, right? And they still get away with all this stuff until finally that last victim is the one that like gives them away. It's nuts, man. I'm pretty sure they've had cases of like, um, you know, like psycho nurses too that like poison patients you know yeah and eventually they're like oh man we noticed finally so many people have died under this woman's care or whatever you know and looked into it it's like and that's that's surprising to me that a nurse would do that because you go down that path you you think to help people you know like granted they make good money but everybody knows nurses what they do like is primarily they help people like their whole job is to like bathe wash clean help and to get into it for nefarious purposes, like, you really got to be motivated to hate people, to, like, want to <laughs> kill people. Yeah, and most nurses I've ever interacted with are, like, very nice and seemingly yeah, very, like, they're, like, nurturing yeah. kind of, yeah. But, man, yeah, there's some psychos out there. Yeah. I'll throw it back to you. All right, let's see what we got here. Archaeologists left coughing up blood and hallucinating after opening ancient Egyptian tomb. An archaeologist was left uh, was once left coughing up blood and hallucinating after entering an un- unopened ancient Egyptian tomb. Back in the 1920s, legends has it that members of Howard Carter's research team died shortly after discovering and opening Tutankhamun's tomb. While some believe their deaths were a result of hazardous materials being released, others think that the tomb is cursed. While well, e- Egyptologist Rami M- Ramoni Romani uh, believes. Uh, that the curse of the pharaohs is real, and the Egyptian-born documentarian who lives in Los Angeles has lived to tell the story. While shooting for the Discovery Channel's Mummies Unwrapped, Romani was trying to identify a mummy that he believed could be a figure from the Bible, more specifically, Akhenaten, uh, an ancient Egyptian pharaoh. Uh, documentarian Rami... Oh, no one goes there. I want to be... I want it to be... I wanted to go there because I was trying to know more about Akhenaten, uh, Rami told the Jordan Harbinger show. I went into the tomb, and that tomb literally has not been opened for 600 years or so. They know all the guards that have been there and never opened it. Uh, Romani 
says he and the guards heard all the snakes rattling and coming out after knocking on the stone. We go inside and start filming and I go under that tomb and I find things. And I'm breathing really heavy and everything and there's bats inside and the smell is so horrible and I left that tomb and I did not feel well. Uh, there's that ammonia bat urine smell. There's been snakes in there along with these very strange smells all going in and all going in your body and your body's telling you to stop breathing. This is not good. Uh, I'm a, I'm a host of, on the discovery channel, I'm yelling at the camera and being very excited and I'm breathing in all this crap in Uh podcast host harbinger added literally crap, probably snake and bat crap. Uh, but Romani insisted maybe the curse of the mummy mixed in. The following day, he was in horrible shape in bed. I had fevers that went up to 107, he said. Romani thought he was going to die, adding, we had doctors coming in and I was coughing blood. I was hallucinating and my wife was really, really scared for me and I don't know how I survived. None of the doctors really know what I had. They put me on a bunch of antibiotics and explained to them, uh, to them all where I was and they said well bats snakes dust is not a very good combination for whatever it is it could be anything we have not seen this combination of symptoms but hopefully these antibiotics works work and they worked I'm alive and I'm here today <laughs> I mean <sighs> well you know back in, back in the day like you know a lot of people that went into tombs died and that's kind of where like whole mummies curse thing came from but then what they you know eventually found was like most of them probably did die from breathing in like you know yeah. bad particulates which i mean you can imagine you get like a rotten body all sorts of animal waste yeah all in this one area like you're saying dust all this stuff like no wonder they're getting sick and dying exactly yeah and and plus these people back then probably died from something themselves you know like in, in ancient egyptian times they might have been dying from diseases and stuff and you know Maybe they're preserved over time. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because like I mean, they're mummified. I don't know how how diseases would survive or how they wouldn't. But I mean, it, it's sealed up for all this time. Maybe somebody opens it up and then boom, that's it. You catch something. I could totally see that happening. Yeah. Uh, they always showed like corpses on TV when I was a kid, like you know a skeleton's you know head. Oh, or whatever. right, right. And like people would pick it up and stuff. I'd be like, I would not touch that. I would not <laughs> touch a dead body for anything. Also, like, in the, it's one thing, you know, back then, but in the modern day, like, if you were going into a tomb, at the very least, wouldn't you be wearing, like, you know, a very good mask? Yeah. Like, I'd be like, you know, N95 or better. <laughs> yeah. Well, this guy was trying to put on a show, so he had to, like, you know, do it without the mask. He was doing it for Discovery Channel. Oh, doing it like Indiana Jones yeah. style. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean... You walk into a porta potty, you cover your mouth a little right. bit. You should right. probably do this too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, leave that shit alone. Don't disturb <laughs> it anyway. <laughs> well, that's a good lead into my article. Um, a shitty situation. A woman claims neighbors are dumping buckets of poop in others' yards. Uh, some people are just crappy neighbors, but for one Arkansas woman, that phrase has become uh, disgust disgustingly literal. Erica Craig lives just outside the city of North Little Rock in Pulaski County. She claims she has been dealing with a gross smelly problem for years. According to Craig, her neighbors are far from sanitary. She says they have been defecating in buckets and dumping the feces onto her and other neighbors' property. Um, and they've been at it for three years. Uh, they have been taking their feces in buckets and dumping it at the back of their property and then across the street on another person pro person's property, Craig told KATV. 
They have been dumping it on the property, too, she added. You'd imagine that local sanitation authorities would quickly address such a clear public health hazard. But Craig says that despite her contacting every department she can think of, no one has done anything about the crap issue. Um, according to Craig, the poop dump has been going on... Uh, has been going on for the past three years, has made her life absolutely miserable, not to mention stinky. Uh, oh God, when the wind blows, it's awful, she exclaimed. You cannot even sit outside. You cannot even sit in that back room back there with the door open because the smell just consumes the house. It's not just Craig dealing with this problem. Uh, the crap flows into neighboring properties too, and not always because it's actually being dumped there. Craig claims that her neighbors have a porta potty on their property. However, it has no collection system whatsoever. It's hollow and allows the poop to simply wash down into ditches in other people's properties. Uh, Craig's parents have lived in the home near, uh, nearby for the past 32 years. Craig says they've suffered as long as she uh, has since crap has been um, washing onto their yard for three years. Not all the neighbors are as patient about getting the issue resolved with Craig as her parents are. Many of them have moved away. Everybody around them has sold their houses, um, which is leaving the ones that are still uh, left here to just kind of sit and suffer. Uh, naturally, constantly living around human waste is not healthy. Craig claims she and her family have gotten seriously sick, potentially because of all the poop. She says she had to go to the hospital because of organ failure. However, Dang. the doctors were unable to, to determine the cause of the issue. They did not know what caused it, and that is after uh, the neighbors had started uh, doing the uh, dumping poop, uh, said Craig. Additionally, her father has seen doctors multiple times and was briefly taken seriously ill. Once again, they couldn't figure out what happened to him. Uh, nobody is thinking it has... It was because of human waste, so that is not something they are looking at, uh, limits Craig. It's not like Craig hasn't tried resolving the problem. She has, but no one seems interested in helping her. She has talked to the neighbors and even offered to help them get their sewage system in order, claims Craig. However, according to her, they're not taking the situation seriously and refuse to change their ways. Since uh, talking to the perpetrators failed, Craig has turned to the officials. She hasn't had much luck there. Uh, I have contacted so many different departments and none of them have done anything about it, Craig said. It seems Craig is running into issues with uh, jurisdiction. The area she lives in appears to be so remote that no one is exactly sure whose responsibility it is. Although she lives in North Little Rock, in theory, Craig's property is some 300 feet outside the city limits. So the city authorities will not lift a finger to help her. What about Pulaski County then? No such luck. The county says it doesn't have authority over sewage management. Instead, the county advised Craig to contact the Arkansas Department of Health. They, in turn, have done nothing but send unhelpful reminders about sewage regulations. All sewage must be deposited in sanitary sewers, sewage treatment facilities, septic tank systems, or other systems or devices adequate to meet the needs uh, of the people being served, the Arkansas DOH told KATV. That's a fantastic rule, so why is no one interested in enforcing it, we wonder. I mean, this does seem crazy because... It is like straight up like illegal for them yeah. to be doing that, and you would think you would think she would actually just be able to call the cops and yeah. be like, "You can see what they're doing." I mean, it it does seem insane that she's gone through all these people and they're like, "No, we're not going to do anything about it." I don't know. It's that's so strange to me because in in one area, I'm sure in like a different area, if you did this, they would immediately come out and stop you. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, in most places, but in this particular situation, they can't do anything. They won't do anything about it. I don't know. It's just it's so weird. And also, what kind of rednecks like 
want to be doing this. Yeah, that's so bad. Like, you don't want to be the person who's shitting in a bucket and throwing it around. Like, no, that is. Ugh. How are they living? Like, what are they? What is going on in their house? You know, maybe they're actively like trying to get everyone to move so they can buy up the land oh. around for cheap. I don't know because <laughs> they said like a bunch of other people like straight up moved away. Which, I mean, maybe if nobody was like going to do anything about it. I don't blame those people, but still, maybe they know they have like a in with the city. So like they're just running people out, like you're saying. <laughs> or maybe they're that like one redneck family that's so scary, like no law enforcement will deal with them. Like, oh no, we don't go there. Not to that house. <laughs> they they throw shit, man. <laughs> they they fling buckets food. of it. <laughs> but yeah, I I'd mean, rather be hit by a bullet than by a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think it was in L.A. Maybe. Like in Hollywood, somewhere like um, a homeless guy just ran up and poured like a bucket of diarrhea oh, on a woman. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's that. so bad. Yeah, oh. so bad. I can't even like imagine like that yeah. happening. Like, oh, those little chunks. Jesus. Oh man, I yeah, I would puke all over the place. Yeah. Uh, on that note, AJ, what do you got for us? All right, let's see. All right, I just read the the. Uh, let's let's read this one. Um, people are disturbed after learning the alarming reason why chainsaws were invented. I haven't read this one, so this should be interesting. Ever learned a piece of information that you immediately wish you could remove from your brain? If not, you're about to. Most of the items we use today have become popular because they make our lives uh, that that little bit easier. Maybe by saving time or by cutting down on physical exertion. When it comes to the chainsaw, it's not hard to come up with the guess as to why it was created. It probably has something to do with trees. Maybe it was made to replace classic saw, the classic saw and make it much quicker to cut through the same chunky trees. Um... Think again. Uh, the truth behind its creation is actually much more disturbing. It turns out chainsaws stem back to 1785 when Scottish doctors John Aitken and Je- James Jeffrey uh, came up with a device to improve the symphysiotomy method. Symphysiotomy. Uh, what's the symphysiotomy method, you ask? Well, it involves separating the pelvic joint from a woman birth, giving birth to allow the baby to pass through more easily. Told you it was disturbing. Doctors initially used rigid saws and knives for the procedure, but Aitken and Jeffrey uh, created a tool with a fine serrated link chain to help cut through the joint. The create, creation later became known as the Aitken's Flexible ch- Chainsaw. Obviously, the device has been developed a lot since then, but that's where it all started, and learning that has left a lot of people horrified. In fact, it's so horrified that it sparked a trend of people filming themselves before and after learning the information, with short clips showing them going from clueless and happy to in the know and horrified. Other other internet users used words to express their horror, with one relaying heavily on the caps lock button as they wrote, Childbirth? It wasn't made for cutting things, but made for C-sections? Ah, and how did I not know? Another disturbed viewer commented, Okay, yeah, usually I'm sick, not phased by these, but that one was a mistake and i shall never use a chainsaw again without remembering this i mean that's crazy chainsaw i kind of thought they were used for like medical stuff though because i remember like during wartime they had to like cut off people's legs for like gangrene right but this is actually a step further than i thought (laughs) yeah me too i mean are there babies that get just like so big that a woman like just straight up can't give natural birth i don't know but 
Is this really the method to cut her in half? <laughs> I mean, God, I can't imagine like it getting so bad that a woman's like, yeah, I'll, I can't push anymore. Just cut it out. Like cut my, through my bone. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, at that point, sorry, baby, but you're not coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, like when you first started, like it had a disturbing origin. I was going to be like, okay, yeah, it's used to like amputate limbs or it's used to like kill animals faster yeah. or something you know yeah. but yeah that's pretty gruesome yeah, really that's pretty Ugh. that's a that's a tough way to give birth <laughs> um okay this is a, a more light-hearted article um so you know how there's like weird sayings for like you know groups of certain animals and stuff like a murder of crows <clears throat> yeah. and stuff um so this is 16 strange and funny collective nouns uh from medieval medieval english uh number one a city of badgers. Uh, badgers in medieval times must must have been more civilized than the beasts of today. After all, they were able to form cities. It makes more sense, uh, though, when you consider that the uh, word city re- uh, referred also to the badger's burrow. Uh, that would be its city, wouldn't it? Uh, number two, a thong of barons. Nah. Now, this thong couldn't possibly mean the same thing as it does today. Let's see here. Uh, thong... In medieval times, spelled T-H-O-N-G-E, a strip of material. Huh, it kind of does. Uh, wonder which would be more intimidating to encounter, a thong of barons or a baron's thong. Okay. Uh, number three, a fighting of beggars. Uh, Dr. Hooks doesn't give any ex- explanation on why the word fighting was used to describe a group of beggars. We just have to assume that medieval beggars were prone to brawling. I could, I could definitely see yeah. that one. Oh, a, a rascal of boys. A rascal boy seems like a fitting term, but while today we might uh, call a rambunctious boy a rascal, in medieval English, a rascal was a company of soldiers or a mob. Still pretty fitting, if you ask us. Uh, number six, a cluster of cats. Uh, there was no special meaning here. A cluster of cats just sounds funny, really rolls off the tongue. In all honesty, we listed this here just to contrast it with uh, what a group of wild cats is called. Speaking of which, number six, a destruction of cats. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> that just sounds like you know, like a find like a like a bunch of murder cats. Yep, that was a destruction. Oh no, it's the destruction <laughs> of cats. Uh, Doctor Hooks notes that using the word destruction for a group of wild cats is a logical and reasonable extension <laughs> of definition. Uh, the wild cats of ancient England were probably pretty nasty. Uh, number seven, an intoxication of cobblers. <sighs> Uh, now, in all honesty, the original medieval source doesn't use the word intoxication for a group of cobbles. Instead, the word is, is drunkship, which means intoxication. The old English cobblers must have liked stiff drink and then another to wash it down. It's weird that they would attribute, like, you know, being drunkards to cobblers yeah. specifically. Yeah, I mean... Isn't that everybody, like pirates? Everything? I mean, you would think a lot of people back then. But yeah. Everybody was drunk back then. But especially those cobblers. <laughs> this one I like. An incredibility of cuckolds. <laughs> <laughs> the, word- the incredible cuckold. <laughs> <laughs> incredible colk. Uh, the word cuckold. <laughs> Love it. The word cuckold derives from the old French word for cuckoo bird, uh, but is meant as it is today, the husband of an unfaithful wife. Whoever wrote the uh, the book this term comes from must have found it pretty incredible that such men were ban- uh, banned together. <laughs> it just yeah, that seems like a very weird phrase. <laughs> uh, number nine, a cowardness of curs. 
Uh, today, a cur is a misbehaving dog, but in medieval England, it was a watchdog. But those watchdogs can't have been very good at their job if a group of them was called a cowardness. Uh, oh, I like this one too. Number 10, a herd of harlots. <laughs> I've seen those. <laughs> <laughs> Still on the lookout for that. Uh, Dr. Hook's uh, source books use the word herd to describe groups of many things. One of those things is harlots. Now, herds of harlots weren't necessarily made up of prostitutes in Old England. The word also refers to male vagabonds and beggars. Uh, number 11, a laughter of hostlers. Um, the innkeepers of 15th century England must have been a jolly bunch. It's kind of refreshing to see these people use a word that isn't horribly disparaging for a change. Uh, number 12, a worthness, worthlessness of jugglers. Uh, <laughs> well, so much for not being disparaging. Jugglers, that is, uh, bards or minstrels, clearly weren't held in very high esteem in medieval England. The word used in the old text isn't exactly worthlessness, though instead it's uh, near thriving, as in never thriving, or near do well, if you will. Near do well is a word you don't, no. people don't use enough. Um, number 13, a rage of maidens. Hell hath no fury like a maiden scorned. And if these maidens decide to team up, it'll take a real man to face that rage. Uh, number 14, an abominable sight of monks. Uh, this phrase comes from the Book of St. Albans, printed in 1486 and credited to Juliana Berners, the prioress of the uh, Priory of St. Mary of Sopwell. Sister Juliana clearly didn't think very much of her male monastic fellows. Uh, number 15, a proud showing of tailors. Um, ah, tailors, what an upstanding bunch. Wherever they go, it's always a proud showing, or not. Uh, there's also another word used for a group of tailors, a disguising. I guess that makes sense since they make clothes. And finally, number six, a non-patience of wives. Um, these Men clearly came up with these. <laughs> and they also seem like they would be a mouthful to say. Yeah. A non-patience of wives? Like a herd of harlots is funny. And, yeah. And, but like, oh, look at this non-patience of wives. Uh, Sister Juliana didn't like monks, and she apparently didn't have a high opinion of uh, married women either. Um, at least that's what her choice of words uh, for calling a group of wives seemed to indicate. Oh, so this is woman-on-woman crime. Yeah. So this is even a guy this that made this. Non-on-woman crime. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe Sister Juliana could have been a little less judgmental. Um, I mean, a herd of harlots, uh, definitely my favorite. And, and, yeah, <laughs> credibility of cuckolds. Yeah. <laughs> but wh wh where do you ever see like a group of men that you're like, oh, those are all cuckolds. <laughs> We're going to call them an incredibility. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you look at Congress, a lot of their wives are cheating with somebody, some lobbyist. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we are over the hour mark, unless you got something else you'd like to go out on. Uh, nothing as fun as that, so <laughs> leave it at that. We'll leave it at a herd of harlots. All right. <laughs> uh, well, everybody, I hope you had fun uh, with today's show. Um, please, if you will, follow us on the YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe. Uh, leave us comments. Uh, uh, thumbs up. You can also subscribe uh, in audio form on your podcast service of choice. And why not come over and visit us on Twitter? AJ, where can people find you on Twitter? At a name for this too, and that's number two. And you can, of course, find me at Zach Jones Live. That's Z A C H J O N E S L I V E. And that is going to do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week. Please, please, please tune in again next week. Bye, guys. Take care.